Meglin here with Rachel Poley and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. We are on episode 79 and this week's question is how do you create a business plan for your writing? Before we begin don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show and if you enjoy our episode please do give it a like. Okay so we're talking business plan. Now we're not talking a business plan like you would expect with I want to say normal business <laughs> but with what you expect from a regular business where you have cash flow pages, profit and loss, forecasting. We're not talking that. We're talking creative business plans, and they can be quite different. So I suppose the first question is, why would you want a business plan for your writing? And I think the thing is, if you are looking at it as a career or you want to look at it as a career, a business plan is a way to focus all your thoughts and kind of put you in the right place. When you're creating a business plan, you use it as a focus. It helps you to see your journey in a more professional manner and figure out where the heck you're going. Think of it as a roadmap. You include areas of focus that will help you drive your career forward. Because after all, being a writer, a professional writer, is not just writing books. It would be awesome if that was just it, but it's not. It includes a lot of other processes, so you need to kind of think Big picture. That's what a business plan is for, a creative business plan, is for big picture thinking. First of all, think about what you want to accomplish. Where do you want to be in one year, three years, five, ten? What are your writing goals? And then you need to go deep. Are you looking to be published? Are you aiming for a New York Times bestseller? Do you want a large catalogue of books behind you? Or maybe you write across numerous genres, or maybe you want to dominate one specific field and become the next king of horror so knock Stephen King off obviously <laughs> no pun intended right no pun intended. <laughs> so that's where you start with your creative business plan you think big you figure out where you want to be from year one up to 10 or wherever and you think about what you want to accomplish that's the kind of the meat of the business plan and it is a little bit different from goals so we'll go through all the different pieces and how to pull it all together but yeah that's where we're starting I mean, I think we can all agree on the fact that as writers, whether you picture yourself writing as a career or whether you're a hobbyist writer, we can all see ourselves getting a big movie deal. Am I right? There's always a point when you're in the middle of writing your book that you're picturing it as a scene in a movie rather than seeing yourself just publishing the book. Like we get ahead of ourselves and we jump way, way ahead. And That can also be an end goal as well. If you want your book to become popular and successful enough that you end up getting a movie deal, or maybe you write the script yourself and you submit it somewhere where people make movies. (laughs) But in order to get there, one of the things that you can do is a brain dump. And this includes smaller goals that will help you reach those bigger milestones. I mean, a brain dump is so simple and yet it's so complicated at the same time because all you need to do is get out a notepad and just write everything that comes to your mind. Well, how do I make it so that my book becomes a movie? Well, first I need to write the book. And then what do I need in order to write the book? Well, I, I need a manuscript and I need, you know, an editor, a book cover artist, like all of those things, which kind of brings me into my next point is that you need to then categorize all of those smaller goals. And this is where you will cluster things together, planning, working, and completing your manuscript would be that one category. And then there's platform building. Creating a brand could be another, networking, such as social media, marketing, so on and so forth. So start start small with a brain dump, you know, just figure out everything 
that you need to do everything that you want to do and then take it one step further and categorize everything. I have to say when I brain dump, one of the things I like to do because I'm quite a visual person is spider graph or mind maps. Sometimes fine with, especially if you're thinking long-term, like five, 10 years, a list doesn't always cut it for me. So I love like writing like a spider graph. So it'll be like, right, marketing. So what is the marketing options? And then the writing, what's that? What's the professional side? That's where you maybe query an agent, get a publisher. I mean, obviously those are things you don't control. You can't control if an agent likes you. You can't control if a publisher is going to take your book on. But obviously you can control how you write your letter to the agent, things you can change to get the publisher interested. There are things you can, but having that kind of spider graph, I do love spider graphs. That could honestly be a whole episode on its own with me just gushing about spider graphs. Just realize it can be because I use those as well. They are, they are really useful. <laughs> yeah, really. and then you color code the bubbles and everything. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Pin it up and it's like just staring at you the whole time. Oh. Yep. Anyway, I digress. I digress. <laughs> as Rachel says, once you've categorized things and kind of put them in blocks, what you would then do is organize them. And that is where you put them in priority order. Obviously, you can't get an agent or, or get a publisher if the book isn't written. I, I mean, I have heard there's the terms where some people are so good at writing that even the second book's not written and people are like, oh my gosh, yes, we'd love to have you. Believe me, you're not there. If you're listening to this podcast, you're not there. You need to write the book. So then you kind of structure it. It's like, right, what part do you put first? That would be the writing, editing, cleaning it up. Then it might be the sorting the book cover, the professional editor, sorting out the blurb, building up your website, things like that. And you put them in an order so you know where you're going. And then obviously, once you have an order, you can then put time frame on everything. This kind of helps structure your path by creating a working time frame and deadlines. <laughs> we all love deadlines, don't we? And these are obviously deadlines that you control. When you're talking about if you are going the traditional route, if a publisher gets on board, they will often give you deadlines and you have no not much control about them. So these are deadlines that you create for yourself, timeframes that you create that you actually have control of. But a little word of warning, you need to be realistic with your timeframes, realistic to your own abilities and responsibilities. I mean, if you're working a full time job, if you have a family, if you're a carer, if you just have a really busy life, you can't be like, oh, yes, I'm going to spend, you know, 12 hours a day sorting this novel it's like that's not gonna happen and also obviously you've got to think writing is not the only thing you do even if you are a full-time writer even if you don't have kids there's all these other things whether it's still family members that need help errands that need running fixing up your house <sighs> I understand that one so you have to be realistic in the time you can give to something because you don't want to put deadlines on all this stuff and then continually fail to hit them because that will put you in a downward spiral and it will also put undue pressure on yourself so be realistic consider how much time you actually have and give yourself a buffer time around each one so give yourself a deadline for finishing the manuscript give yourself a deadline for dealing with beta readers again these are people who are going to help you but that's a control thing you can't control how quickly someone comes back to you you might be able to give them a deadline and say you want 10 beta readers to come back to you you can give them deadlines say could you come back to me by this time it does not mean all those 10 will do that and that might mean you need to find another few you know if some of them don't actually come through for you so you do need to think about the possibility that things outside of your control will affect your deadline. I was actually just going to say that, that when you figure out your time frame, you have to factor in things that won't go as you plan. 
because things do change and the, the time frame will change too. And it's going to end up being trial and error because you might say, okay, I'll have this, the first draft written within this six week time frame. Well, what if you get sick in the middle of like week three or something and you're down for the count for a couple of days and you might still be able to meet that six week deadline for yourself. But if you're missing a couple of days, that could set you back quite a bit depending on what you're working on. So you need to be realistic in that sense. And you need to, I say this because I do this to myself all the time. I create deadlines for myself. And then when something goes wrong or it doesn't go according to plan, I get really agitated that things aren't going as I pictured it. And then I need to change my plans accordingly. And, you know, and it's hard, it's hard for me to do that. So you have to factor in buffer time. I want to get X, Y, and Z done in six weeks, but if I'm unable to get it done in six weeks, I want to get it done in seven weeks or even eight weeks, like factor in a little, you know, buffer week or two. And also that way you can start the next step after eight weeks, for example. So if you do meet your six week deadline, well, guess what? Now you have extra, you have an extra two weeks and you can either take a break or you can do other minimal tasks or you can start your next task on the checklist and get ahead in that. And that'll make you feel pretty good too, if you're able to get ahead. Definitely. We believe me, we love being ahead on things because it doesn't happen very often. And then we have that kind of headless chicken. Oh my God, there's so much to do. We, we don't do well with that. Even though we do it a lot, we, we don't do well with that. So yeah, definitely. Absolutely not. I don't do well with it for sure. Now that kind of brings me to my next point, which is to formulate the plan, also known as taking action. And when you have your time frame and your deadlines all set up, now you need to actually do it. Work out the action steps, create checklists for what you need to complete to achieve that goal. And in a way, like how we mentioned earlier about categorizing everything and organizing everything, when you formulate your plan, you're more or less doing that again. It, like with each step, you're narrowing everything down so that by minuscule steps so that you have everything laid out and you never miss a step and everything gets done accordingly and on time and in order. And when you do formulate this plan, make sure you write it out so that you can refer to it because your business plan is only going to work if you remember it. So have it written or typed up, make sure you check on it make sure you have it displayed where you can easily see it. For me, I have mine written in a notebook, but then I also make smaller checklists for like daily to-dos and stuff. And I have that on a post-it note, which I have right on my desk so that I see it staring at me in the face every single day. Or you can transfer the details of the deadlines to a calendar and give yourself monthly or quarterly check-ins depending on how you work. Yeah, I definitely agree with writing it down. It's like, it's so weird. I've, I've seen people who've like had sort of, maybe not the business plan, but have made special goals and everything. And it's all like, oh yeah, it's up here in my head. And it's like, why would you do that to yourself? Don't do that to yourself. Take those scratchy notes and make them neat and organize. Treat it like a business. Make it almost like a professional business plan as if you were pitching it to someone. And also that kind of helps. If you're going traditionally published and you're talking to an agent or an editor or a publishing house, 
you can be saying like, oh, this is my plan for my deadline. This is where the next book in the series is coming out. This is how I'm going to be doing all the marketing. Because again, even if you traditionally publish, you still have to do loads of marketing. It is not true that the publishing house will do loads of marketing. They only do that for big, big names. They might give you a little bit of help, but you have to run with most of it. So being able to show them that you are treating it seriously, like a real business, that's a big tick for, yes, you're doing a great job. So that's another thought about it. And also keep it fluid. Things might change. Just like we talked about the deadlines changing, things might change. So you have to be able to move with it and add things in. The path you are on is not always straight. You might want to go traditionally published and then decide, actually, that's not for you. You're going to go self-published. You might want to become a hybrid and do both. You might want to serialize your novel and do it through Amazon's Vela. I think it's called Vela, isn't it? So there's so many different things that can, that can change. I assume that some writers who had plans for their work before the pandemic chained them when the pandemic hit. You know, suddenly book signings were out the window, so they may have had to do virtual tour, uh, virtual signings and, and virtual events. You have to be able to change. Now, when I say keep it fluid, I don't mean we're going to be changing the whole plan around. It's like, yeah, there are things that might change, but in the end, this is still supposed to be a structured document with your pathway planned out well, and you can add to it. You can add possible ideas of how much you're hoping to make in sales, things that you can like we've talked about this before, like the definition of success, you can put that in there, like how, you know, what, what is your aim for success? Do you want to make a certain number of sales? Do you want to reach a bestseller status? That might change as you go. So you can add things in, take things out. This is probably why it's a good idea to have it as a type document, but that's just me. I, I love typing documents and, and making it readable because my handwriting is awful. But yeah, definitely keep it fluid, but obviously not so fluid that you've changed the entire thing. <laughs> not what we're going for here. Nine times out of 10, your end goal is always going to stay the same. So you want to keep your business plan fluid enough so that when little changes and hiccups occur, you can plan accordingly, but you're still headed towards the same outcome. Yes. Things are going to change, but you're just going to have to take a quick little detour. And that's, that's it. Yeah, exactly. And also... We talked about like where you're going to be in one year, three years, five years, 10 years. You might be like, by, by 10 years, I'm going to be a full-time author. That could happen in five years, in which case your five to 10 year plan is suddenly different. And that might get, you know, might need to be amended. So always positive. That's a really good thing. And also once you become, if that's where you're going, once you become a full-time writer, you can then add to the business plan with things like profit and loss and sales details and forecasting and things like that and how you would grow the business to do maybe more interviews or go on the radio or freaking hell, go on Oprah, who knows? So having a business plan is a really good way to start and get structured. And also it kind of has a more, it just has a more professional feel to it. Like you're taking yourself and your work seriously. Something just to think about. Yeah. And it's motivating too, because when you see your plan all laid out and when you're sitting there and actually thinking about it and taking the time to write this plan, it is very motivating to see, oh, wow, I actually can do this. Like this is a doable goal and I can be a professional author if I want to. And you just got to stick with it. That's the hardest part. <laughs> it is for me, at least. <laughs> Where we fall down. <laughs> I, yep. <laughs> I excel at planning and then actually executing. I'm like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used all my energy for the planning. 
really need a long break now. <laughs> I like the idea of it. Yeah. Okay. I think we covered most of the things you could put in a business plan. I'm sure there are lots and lots more things that, uh, that you can put in and, and obviously feel free to, to let us know. But now it's your turn. Have you ever created a business plan for your writing? And if not, is it something you would now consider? We'd love to chat to you about it. So do tell us your answers in the comments or on Twitter using the hashtag at the Mary Writer Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to get some extra content, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Mary Writer Podcast. You can support our show for as little as $1 a month and get extra bonus content. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Belted Pens. We'd love to colour code. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.